I did have my moment where I felt like I was doing emotional eating, but one day I said, this is exactly the opposite of what she would want you to do. She would want you to continue to eat the way you should. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries around the world and healthy cities coast to coast in the U.S. Baltimore, Maryland, Pompano, Florida, Mesa, Arizona. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 17 of season 5, number 316 overall. You know, when someone takes charge of their own health, oftentimes they get so inspired by their success that they want to champion the health of others. They want to make their success someone else's success. They want to pay it forward so that everyone then gets lifted up. And that is exactly what my first guest today has done. And by the way, she is also proving that health is not just a young folks game. No, 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 no. Because she is showing that anyone, literally anyone, can be fabulous over 50. Cheryl Marshall is the extraordinary woman's name. She is the founder of Veg You Can. And she is also well-credentialed in nutrition as someone who has been applying the principles of a plant-based diet in her own life for more than two decades now. And she's even been bucking the trend, kicking the standard American diet to the curb for her four children. She's been raising them on a plant-based diet as well. And she's real too. You're going to hear her make the admission that she wasn't always perfect with her diet either. But it was an epiphany when she was 50 that really made an enormous difference for her. So we're going to hear all about that. But it is a double dose of story time here on the exam room today. And we will also be hearing from a gentleman who lost, get this, nearly 200 pounds by adopting a plant-based diet. 200 pounds, that's incredible. And what was the big turning point for him? Well, it was a brush with death that led to a breakup of his longest relationship in his entire life. His relationship with fast food. We're going to be hearing from Dennis Jones, a fellow weight loss success, just a little bit later on in the program. And both Dennis and Cheryl, by the way, are piloting the Physicians Committee's first ever African-American culinary heritage food for life course. This is a revolutionary program that is designed to bring equality to health. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So we're talking about two incredible human beings with two incredible stories of hope and resilience who are now working on one mission to make the world a healthier place for all. Cheryl, it is so good to see you. Hello, Chuck. It's nice to see you as well. Thanks for having me. 20 plus years eating a plant-based diet. What got you going in the first place? Well, when it was first introduced to me, of course, it was foreign because nobody I grew up with or was around was uh, eating a plant-based diet. However, uh, the more I read about it, did research, it it just made sense. I thought, wow, Um, especially when you 
have those around you that are, you know, have a lot of the different lifestyle diseases, heart disease, et cetera. And eating a plant-based diet, as I'm reading, I'm like, okay, if this is something that can prevent me from having these uh, lifestyle diseases or at least lessen my chances, um, I'm going to check into this and see what it's all about. (laughs) So I did. Uh, yeah, and so if I'm doing the math here correctly, that's shortly after the uh, the turn of the new millennium here. So we're talking about early 2000s. I mean, that puts you well ahead of the curve because I feel like we haven't really seen this explosion and in interest in eating a plant based diet until I guess the past decade or so. Yes, yes, exactly. And um, again, it's something that um, once I read about it looked into all the different resources, I thought, you know, it's, it makes sense. It just makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering at the time, because it was kind of still new and you're ahead of the curve, a lot of people were probably wondering what in the heck it was that you were eating every time you would sit down to break bread with them. How many questions did you get from friends and family? A ton. And that was just it. You know, what are you eating? Why are you eating that? Does it taste good? Um, I don't see how you can do that. I, it's just, I can't give up, you know, my meat. I can't give up cheese. And I thought, I'm not, I don't look at it as giving up anything. I feel like I'm gaining something. And one, I'm gaining um, my health. You know, a lot of times, as you're talking to friends and family members, a lot of times it's, you know, they're talking about different health issues that they're having. And I'm sitting there not having any health issues, you know, feeling good. And that's not to, you know, put anyone down or anything. I'm not saying it in a negative way, but it just would confirm for me that what I'm doing, I need to keep doing. So. <laughs> What about, uh, you were talking about your friends there, but what about your family? Were, was there anybody there who was really being challenged with their health? Yes. So my um, my father has had numerous uh, lifestyle diseases, um, you know, heart disease, diabetes. Um, and when you watch someone that you love um, dearly go through that, it it does have an effect on you. And so one of the things I did like is that he did try my food. He did like it. You know, it's not that he doesn't like it or anything like that. Um, I believe that he has been able to sustain this long because he has, um, you know, listened and tried a lot of the different um, foods and juices that um, I did recommend to him. Um, My mother, Unfortunately, I did lose her to, um, she had a heart attack in 2009, which kind of was the impetus for me starting my business. So yes, family near and dear to me did have an effect on me continuing on this path. I would imagine so. What kind of conversations did you have with your mother prior to her passing? Because you had been eating this way already for a number of years before her unfortunate and untimely death. Yeah. So um, we we definitely talked about, um, as it relates to the years and times that I've eaten a plant-based diet, I've never been one to try to push it on anyone else. You know, it, it was more or less if somebody would come to me and ask me questions about, you know, what I'm eating or they were curious or wanted to taste it or just, you know, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So the conversations I had with my mother, she didn't have 
any um, symptoms leading up to it. Um, we actually were out the week before um, doing Christmas shopping. And she did mention that, you know, she wasn't feeling well that day. And that's, that's the one thing um, with the heart disease, and especially for women is, it really is like a, a silent killer because a lot of times we ignore a lot of the symptoms that we're having. And when it happened, the main thing I said to myself was, wow, what could I have done? What did I miss? Because, you know, she didn't have any symptoms. She wasn't overweight or anything. And when I think about a lot of the stresses that we have um, in our lives, that can definitely contribute to it in addition to what you're eating. So um, some of those factors could have played a role in it. But Again, it was just, it was a real just wake up call for me because it just happened so sudden. Initially, did you really gravitate more toward an even healthier version of the diet that you had been eating previously? Or did you kind of just go on this emotional weight roller coaster where it was up and down as you tried to really just kind of cope with the loss? Yes. Um, we do tend to look to food as comfort, <laughs> comfort food during those times. Um, so I did have my moment where I felt like I was doing emotional eating. I still was eating a plant-based diet, but you know, as they say, too much of anything can still <laughs> can still um, you know cause your weight to go up. But one day I said, this is exactly the opposite of what she would want you to do. You know, she would want you to continue to, you know, eat the way you should, if nothing more, because of, you know, what is just taking place. And then again, you know, for your kids. And so at that point, I also realized that I could no longer just sit silent and not really push and talk about the benefits of eating a plant-based diet. So that's when I decided to start my business. Right. And is that um, the epiphany that you write about on your website, vegucan.com? Um, you, you mentioned right around the age of 50, the, the big epiphany that kind of pushed you in this super healthy direction where you did open up and start talking to people about this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because initially, as I mentioned, I you know, I don't, you know, push it on anybody. It's just, it's, the question always comes to me, you know, well, I don't see how you do that. And, you know, what are you eating? And, but now I kind of changed the conversation and I just made it more of, I actually saw that a lot more people were curious and it wasn't really being looked at in a negative way, as you said, you know, moving forward now, going past 2009. And so I thought, wow, um, since the conversation is here, everyone's asking me now, you know, you know, I'm having this certain element, you know, do you know anything I could do or, you know, any information you have, or I get questions about, you know, well, well, what do you do with tofu? I heard tofu is a alternative or, you know, my doctor's telling me I need to eliminate meat or I need to cut back on salt or what seasons could I use and so I was constantly getting this and I found myself just, you know, giving them either the resources I had or sharing the dishes that I make. And I said, wait, you know, there's a need for <laughs> there's a need for this. And I want to be a part of that because I want to help others. You know, I want to help, especially those from my community to better understand the connection between 
um, health and nutrition and food and lifestyle diseases and how you can, what you eat matters, you know? And so that's where I look to become a health coach. And it worked perfect when I found out about the Food for Life program, because I said, wow, it it not only speaks to what I'm trying to do, but it's evidence-based and it's going to give them, um, give me the backing with knowing that this program came about and was created with through physicians, nurses, registered dietitians. So I was, it was just the perfect match. <laughs> what, uh, what were you doing before that? Um, well, I'm actually still working my nine to five. I'm okay. in insurance. <laughs> okay. So this is um, something that I do um, in addition to my, my nine to five. So it's, oh, so as you you're, said, you're, I'm, I'm working around the clock and it's yeah. okay. <laughs> Tirelessly. No, I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I completely understand it. And I, I know that your clients are definitely grateful for this. Um, I want to ask you about the food for life program, because there's a there's a new series that uh, just launched actually this month here, uh, African-American culinary heritage, um, food for life courses. And you're just talking about heart disease. And I know that the, the rate of heart disease among African-Americans compared to white Americans, I mean, it, it's just through the roof here. And that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to health inequities. I'm guessing that combating those inequities and trying to level the playing field is a big part of what this new class series is about. Yes, absolutely. So the class series, um, and again, as you mentioned, is called the African-American Culinary Heritage Curriculum is a plant-based nutrition and cooking program that was developed by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And the intended audience for this series is African-Americans who are looking to prevent or overcome lifestyle-related chronic diseases. And it's also designed for individuals seeking to explore plant-based versions of dishes commonly found on African-American dining tables. There's um, six classes um, to it. And one is, uh, the first one is the power of your plate. The next one is foods for a healthy heart. And then we have intro to how foods fight diabetes, intro to how foods fight cancer, designing a diet for maximum weight control and making it work for you. Um, the classes also incorporate some healthy, uh, delicious uh, recipes that are commonly used on a lot of the dining tables that we as African-Americans are familiar with. So we have um, how to make, you know, greens, of course, without um, meat or a lot of the um, salt in it, um, black eyed peas, grits. One of my favorites is the sunrise biscuits that are made with uh, sweet potatoes. We <laughs> Well, no, hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. We're not going to gloss that one over. The sunrise biscuit made with sweet potatoes. You are talking to the Southern gentleman in me right now. I need this recipe in my life. <laughs> yes. And and the neat thing about it, Chuck, is that the biscuits are, you're using something that you're familiar with, Bisquick. Okay. So Bisquick does not have any animal um, products in it. So we're just showing you how you can make little changes now and use some of the common um, food items that you're familiar with. Add the sweet potatoes to it. You're adding applesauce as well, believe it or not. Um, because So 
to prevent you from having to use, you know, any oil. And that Mm -hmm. at the same time, you still have a light, fluffy biscuit, but this time it's, it's a healthier biscuit. So a lot of the dishes that we are um, sharing are dishes that are simple and showing that little changes that you make can make a big difference. And these are changes you can make right now. Just like when we talk about sauteing vegetables and onions, it's like, did you know you could do that with water or with vegetable broth? You don't have to use oil. Make sure the pan is hot. So we're also, you know, in the program sharing a lot of helpful tips as well that um, they can implement like right now, you know. So it's really, it's really good. Uh, it's a great program, and um, the reception so far has been really well. Yeah. Well, now see the, the biscuits. I got to go back to the biscuits again. What, what, what is the feedback? What is the early feedback on these biscuits? Because I'm just thinking ten out of ten. The biscuits are de- the biscuits is in the first class, which is good because the first class is actually showing you how to prepare uh, breakfast items. Breakfast items that you're familiar, you know, the grits. We do the grits where you don't have to, you know, use a lot of butter, um, based on the way that we're showing you how to make them. The biscuits were definitely a highlight. And I did have people emailing me to say, I didn't see the biscuit recipe. And I'm like, it's right there. It's it's <laughs> it's the third recipe <laughs> and to the right. But they I definitely got good feedback about the the biscuits. So you have to try those. Oh, I, I think I need to. And I mean you you look at the other recipes that you know were included in the program. I mean, you're talking about just you know, staples uh, of of the African American diet, you know, black eyed peas, uh scrambled tofu as you were talking about just uh for breakfast, uh the, the biscuits with sweet potatoes. Yeah. Uh you also had gumbo included yes. on here. Yes, gumbo. gumbo. Yes. Barbecue, portobello mushrooms. Um I did mention the black eyed peas, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, mac and Mm. cheese. And then there's also um, healthy drinks, you know, different uh, smoothies that can be made as well. So, yeah. Oh, and I forgot about the peach cobbler, the peach cobbler. Okay, Cheryl, you are one state up from me and I'm willing to make this drive. You know, if you're willing to to cook, you know, I'm I'm willing to come past your drive through. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> that's just unbelievable. Um, but I, I mean, we, we joke about the recipes here, but they, they are all healthier versions of, of delicious foods that so many people have grown up eating. But, you know, we were talking about the disparities in terms of African-American health. And I mean, I, I pulled this up. This is from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, their Office of Minority Health there. And right here on their website, it says that African-Americans were 30% more likely to die from heart disease than whites. And then it goes on to say, although African-American adults are 40% more likely to have high blood pressure, they are less likely than whites to have that high blood pressure under control. And then uh, African-American women, nearly 60% more likely to have high blood pressure. And again, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um I mean, what 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 can we do to keep getting this message out there? You hear about those rates and there's so much that goes into it. I feel like, you know, a lot of us have been learning about that, particularly over the last two and a half, three years. But, you know, let, let's talk about some other ways that we can really kind of change that narrative and level that playing field like you're trying to do. 
Yeah, I, I feel like the more um, education and information that's shared is the way. Um, I feel like this curriculum is one of the inroads for that, especially for myself, because it speaks to um, to us, to African Americans, and the primary um, lifestyle diseases that are affecting us. Um, the program also has a portion where it covers success stories. So you have African Americans themselves that are saying, "Yes, I too had, you know, diabetes, obesity, whatever the lifestyle-related disease they had, and I." stepped out there and decided to um, follow a plant-based diet just to give it a try. And it changed my numbers. I'm doing better. And so the other thing I like about the program is we do have those that have stopped and said, I'm going to give it a try. Because that's always, just give it a try. Um, I feel like the more um, accessible this information is. Um, you know, I'm looking to share the class and whatever organization is, um, you know, open to me sharing this information. Because as I mentioned, I don't want to sit silent anymore and just not share the benefits of eating a plant-based diet. And again, the program is offering, it's all evidence-based. So I just feel like the more uh, awareness around it and being able to um, speak about it in different uh, venues is going to assist with um, getting more of the word out there. And now, I mean, a lot of people are talking about plant-based diet. I mean, it's it's no longer uh, foreign to a lot of people. You have celebrities. It's, it's being talked about everywhere. So that is helping as well. Yeah, that kind of uh, taboo, like hush hush. This, this is a small group of people. All of that is faded away. I mean, it's it's. I dare say, uh, you know, plant based is pop culture now. Um, but I would think for you, as we kind of wind down here, Cheryl, I would think for you as an instructor who is bringing forth this information, when you hear from your clients who have had these dramatic improvements, I mean, that's got to make you feel like a million dollars. Oh, absolutely, it does, um, because that's the whole goal. I mean, the whole goal is to work with those to hear that comment. You know, <laughs> you want to know that you help someone or that at least you have given them an alternative to what it is they can do. You know, the, the resources and tools that are given in addition, at least now they feel more confident and um, they know that they have uh, a network that's there to support them which is also key. Um, I feel like a lot of times if you don't have the right support that you tend to go back to what it is that you know best or that you were doing because you don't have that support. Um, so again, that's where I'm looking to do. I'm looking to be that support, you know, that coach for you and, you know, be that one cheering you on to say that you can do it. And not only that, but show you, you know, the different recipes and just, just arm you so that you can be successful and champion for your own health. <laughs> there you go. I love that so much. And I know coming up um, beyond uh, the, the new courses, you have a big health and wellness retreat coming up April 1st through the 3rd. What's going to be happening there? Where is it? So the wellness retreat, I'm really excited about it. It's for ladies. And it's going to be at Sandy Cove, which is in uh, Northeast Maryland. 
And again, this is just another way for me to um, do my part and share and, and let women know that it's time for us to really make health and wellness a priority for us. Um, so oftentimes we don't make health and uh, wellness a priority for us. So the goal of the retreat is just that for women to come together, um, be educated by those in the fields of fitness, health, um, and wellness to give them the resources um, in a very um, peaceful environment um, such that they can um, either regain what it is that they've been wanting to do from, you know, in terms of putting and making health a priority to showing them how they can go about making it a priority. And can people register for this on your website? Yes. VeggieCan.com. There it is. V-E-G-U-C-A-N. And we're going to put a link to that right now in the show description and in the episode notes. Um, are you going to be making those biscuits at the retreat, Cheryl? You know what? Now that you mentioned it, I just might do that. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Cheryl, you you are the best. Um, congratulations on everything that you're doing. And thank you for everything that you're doing. It's such important work and you're doing it, you know, with, with such a beautiful smile on your face. And you can tell that you're so passionate about doing this and really paying forward, as I like to say, everything that you have learned and, and helping others now. It's just really fantastic. I love being able to do this show just so I can speak to people like you. Thank you, Chuck. Let's switch gears now and talk about another success. This one, a major weight loss success. You know, at his heaviest, Dennis Jones tipped the scales at, get this, 350 pounds. 350 pounds. And Dennis was unknowingly on a fast track to an early grave. And he probably would have gotten there if not for an unexpected brush with death. And this brush with death was the wake-up call that wound up saving this former military man's life and what ultimately led him to a much healthier way of eating. Dennis, thanks for being here, my friend. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here, Chuck. Love talking from one fellow weight loss success to another. These are my favorite episodes. So let's start with getting up to 350 pounds. The first question so often I get asked, how did you get to be 420 pounds? So I'm going to start with you. How did you get up to 350? A whole lot easier than you think um, <laughs> because you don't see it coming. I mean, you have to. Okay. So, so a little background. I, I was, a, I was in the U S Marines and I was a Marine and I, I, I was uh, you know, hard charging all of this stuff kind of guy. And then you get off of active duty and then you, go home. Or in my case, I went home and I worked and then eventually I moved to Hawaii. And somewhere along the way, my eating never changed to match my activity. Or should I say my activity changed and didn't keep up with my eating. But either way, at the end of the day, uh, living in Hawaii, and I always tell people, uh, I lived on the big island of Hawaii and I was at the uh, University of Hawaii at Hilo. And um, it was, uh, I lived uh, outside of town and I had 
neighbors who were very neighborly. I mean, it was it was it was like country boy meets the tropics. Okay, so like <laughs> people actually. I mean, literally, you don't understand. I knew all my neighbors. My neighbors knew me by name. Um, I, you know, sometimes if a neighbor wasn't doing well, I would walk, go to the store, and get stuff for them and bring it back to their house so they didn't have to. Um, and that meant also that my neighbors did a lot of um, potlucks. Uh, I guess that's the easiest way to 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 describe it. It was a potluck, and and um, you have to understand that um, what that meant was that they're cooking food, and they're going to hand you a plate of food, okay? And on this plate is going to be white rice, macaroni salad, um, and another. There'll be one more other like start. So be, oh, and potato salad. So you have macaroni salad, potato salad, white rice. Then you have some type of uh, meat or animal product or something like that. And maybe somewhere in there that might be something that was green and it might have been it fallen off a tree or something, but you might get paid something <laughs> green in that meal. And you would eat this. And they then like they would fix you a plate. And of course, just like in the South, people don't just let you leave after you had a plate. You, you got to sit, talk story, um, you know, you, you know, update them on what you're doing or just listen to the older people talk. And then, of course, they send you home with a plate or two you know, piled high. I mean, it was like piled high with food and you would do this and, you know, you eat and then you, you're not, I'm not running anymore. I'm not, um, not doing, you know, 12 mile force marches or anything like that. I'm literally getting in my car, driving to campus and leaving campus and driving home. And so somewhere along the way, um, one day I went to walk up three steps, not three flights, but three steps. And I was so winded. I, I mean, literally just three stairs. I had to hold the handrail, had to catch my breath at the top. And then I walked into the office and, you know, I would do whatever I needed to do. And then I would make my way home. Now, I didn't start out that way on campus. I mean, when I first got to campus, I became a university uh, research diver. I, I did things to stay active. But somewhere along the way, academics and focus and things like that get in the way. And you just um, become a little bit more sedentary. And um, I did. And I, but I continued to eat. And then um, one day I discovered this, like you discovered Taco Bell, I discovered a place called Jack in the Box. And because um, they don't have those back east here, um, but they had Jack in the Box. And they had this thing called the Ultimate Cheeseburger, which was, I think, two, almost two pounds of, or maybe two and a half pounds of like fat laden, grease laden, just stuff. And when I first had one, I could barely eat a quarter. By time I needed help, I could eat two in one sitting and still be hungry. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when, when I heard your story, I'm like, my God, I've been there. Dude, I've been there. I, I know what that's like. Oh, yeah, oh man. man. It's like, and, and, it, and, and it's true. You walk in and they know you. They know what you're going to order. You don't even have to like, you don't have to think about it. They call you by name. Say, it's hey, like Cheers. It, it is totally like Cheers. Everybody knows your name. You there walk you in there, Dennis. It's, 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 yeah, and, man. And, and if somebody's new, they'll introduce you. And they'll say, oh, don't <laughs> worry. He always orders the same thing. He'll get this. He'll get He'll get two ultimate cheeseburgers, a large order fry, and a, and a, super, and a supersized drink. That, that would be what he would get. And, and that's what Dennis would get. And you know, and, and and that is very disturbing when you think back on it. It's very disturbing that that your eating habits are so bad that they are memorialized in every employee in the restaurant. 
Yeah, man. So what would happen when you would try to go a day or two without Jack in the oh, box? For me, oh, it was a struggle without Taco Bell. What oh, was your experience? Dude, when you talked about you talked about your struggle and putting holes through I I became the most irritable, angry. Um I mean it, it was like, you know, you ever heard the phrase an angry drunk? Well, I was oh, an angry course. foodie, okay, <laughs> which I think is worse <laughs> than an angry drunk because eventually the angry drunk will pass out. The angry foodie just wants food. It was like, a, I was like Homer Simpson, you know, beer, oh, food, ah, oh, you know, and it was like, and I'm like, it's like when I see these cartoons and I see this stuff, I'm like, man, I've been there. I, I know what that's like. You you get into this state of, of, of craving. It's, it's, it's bad. It, it's really bad. It was always the same time of the day. It would be like around 2.50. And the reason I know it was 2.50 because I would get out of class at 2.30 and I would talk to a few friends and then I would quickly look at my watch, walk to my walk to my car, and then I would jump in my car and it would take me 10 minutes from where I always parked to the Jack in the Box parking lot. Once I got to Jack in the Crack, okay, and it was, you know, that's that to me is what it was. It Jack became crack. crack. I would get there, walk in, food was on the counter. It was on the counter. And and I don't know if this happened to you. I was taking food home or back to campus, depending on where I had to be, before I could even turn the ignition, that voice would say, eat me. You know, like the fly yeah. trap on on oh yeah on, uh, uh, what was it the Rocky Howard Picture Show? Yeah, I'm going to anyway. <laughs> it was like the sandwich would say eat me, and I would literally reach into the bag and just like with the oil just running down, and I would just bite into it, and I would literally be like, oh my god, this is so good, and it'd be yep. like, yep, you know, and and people and, and people say you're making this up. No, I the addiction to the oil and the fat and the sugar. Because I cannot guarantee you that what I was actually eating was food. I can tell you that it was oil. It was it was lots of oil, lots yeah. of salt, lots of sugar. Yeah. Hidden in what's supposed to be was cheese or burger or <laughs> bun or something with some sauce. And and it didn't matter. It just I just had it to have it. And once I had a couple of bites, I could put it down. And mm -hmm. then I could drive, go do what I need to do. And and literally, I think, and, and again, not having been a, a drug addict of that type, after a period of time, I would have to go back, finish it up, and then maybe I'd look over, grab some fries, and then sometimes I'd be even lazy and just take fries and lay them under the bun so I could just eat it all at one time, not having to, because I didn't want to have to do an extra reach down the road. I, I wanted it all oh my God. at one time. That's the you epitome know. of laziness. Yes, I love I mean, it. I mean, I don't love it, but I love it at the same time because I was there, man. I get it. And, and and I tell people, it's like, you don't realize. And if somebody would have been recording me back in those days, I I really would have probably needed, you know, I, I probably needed an addiction anyway, but I didn't know any better. And then eventually, so I gained the weight. And then one day I was walking so I'm on campus and I'm walking to walking from one part of campus to the other. And all of a sudden my eyesight got blurry and I couldn't breathe. And I literally had to sit down on the ground and I was like, I, I need to, something's wrong. I need to go see a doctor. And my doctor looked at me and he basically said, um, uh, 
you're pre-diabetic and if you keep at this stage, you're going to be a diabetic and you're going to lose a limb. And just, just, I mean, literally he just read me the process of becoming a diabetic. He didn't tell me that there were options until later on. So he gives me the meds. Now, being the Marine that I was, I would take the meds, not in the dosage recommended, but like double or triple the dosage. Cause I'm like, well, I'm going to get rid of this because it's a pill. If I just take a pill, It'll all go away. Well, well, hold on now. Let me stop you here. So the, it's an interesting phenomenon with food addicts when the doctor hands them a cold dose of reality. Did you still wind up going to Jack in the Box that day, the next day? Like, yes. And, and you were doubling up on your medication so you could essentially keep fueling that habit. There you go. I mean, literally, yeah. literally, I was taking, I think he had given me metformin and he wanted me to take one pill. I was taking up to four pills of metformin in one time, not a day mm. at one time. And then I would go to Jack in the box and get some food. Yep. Yep. I get it, man. I get it. And, it was and, whatever you needed to do to get that Jack in the box, man. That's right. Whatever because it, it was like, I needed to get, I needed, and he had me on a blood pressure medicine so because of all the salt. Right. So I had to get my, I had to feel better so I could put back into me the stuff that was causing me to feel bad in the first place. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, so, yeah, I, I'm guessing that though your weight then uh, and your health just kind of continued to deteriorate. So here you are, you're taking all of this metformin, you're continuing to eat at Jack in the Box, living this unhealthy lifestyle, mm -hmm. still on that downward spiral. I'm assuming. Yep. Yep. I mean, I, I, it was <laughs> okay. There, in my neighborhood, there's a general store. And then there was also my post office, right? And I used to walk. When I first moved to Hawaii, I would walk to the general store and I would walk to the post office. It got to the point where I would get in my car just to drive. And I'm talking about a block and a half, block and a half, two blocks max <laughs> to the general store. And when I got to the general store, I would get uh, apple pies. I would get uh, some chips. I would get, you know, some kind of junk food. Uh, Twinkies, whatever, whatever was not, not Twinkies, the hostess cupcakes with the mm -hmm. chocolate on top and the cream mm -hmm. stuff in the middle. <laughs> um, I would get those. And I also get the little Debbie rolls. I, I'm going to tell you, I know what I used to eat. I know my poison. It, it's like, I knew my poison, like a, a wine connoisseur knows their wines. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. I, 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 you know, and, 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 and then now here's the really sad part. So the, the general store, was right here. And literally there was a hedge, a hedge with a walkway that would take you to the post office. I would get back in my car and drive to the post office so that I could pick up my mail and then I would drive home. Yep. I get okay. it, man. There, at no point in time would I walk. I was like, why would I want to walk? I'd be tired and, and, and I'd be hungry. So why would I walk? So anyway, so the long and the short was that that became my lifestyle. And um, then when the doctor gave me that wake up call and he said, you know, you could keep this up and you're going to die. He says, you're going to die. You're going to lose limbs. He said, is that what you want? And I said, no, he says, he says, what is it that you want? He did ask me, what did I want? I said, well, what I don't want is to have to take a bunch of medications. He said, he said, I can't tell you how to do this, but I do know that, you know, you could try to go vegetarian and, but I don't know anything about it. You could talk, there's a Seventh-day Adventist church. Maybe go see some of those people and see if they can give you advice on how to eat, become vegetarian or plant-based, okay? And for those who don't know, uh, Seventh-day Adventists are built around uh, Ellen G. White and her writings on health. 
and the book of Leviticus and in or is it Leviticus and Deuteronomy? Anyway, and 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 it's tied to um, that you have this obligation to th that your body is a vessel and you're supposed to take care of it and return it to God in the same state you know that you He gave it to you, which was you know healthy and well and this sort of thing. And so that meant that you gave up sugar, refined foods, and you just ate whole food, plant-based. Um, some people would, some Seventh-day Adventists will eat eggs, some will be pescatarian, but for the most part, they would eat no no lamb, beef, chicken, or pork. So those are the, would be the big things. And, and pork was definitely a no-no because they followed heavily the uh, 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 Judaic um, dietary law. So you didn't eat pork no matter what. And you also were not supposed to have meat and cheese together. So it was it was kind of, that was at least my understanding and that was how it was taught to me. So if there's somebody out there who's Seventh-day Adventist and disagrees, I can only tell you what was told to me. Um, and I tried it and then I started walking. Um, I got you, but the, that must have been kind of a, a scary thought at that point. I mean, no meat and cheese together. I mean, Jack in the Box is out the window completely at that point. Uh, guess what? It didn't happen. I mean, okay, I, I added more. I, I, I would buy Boca burgers, not Boca burgers. They were doing um, garden burgers or the one in the green, the Morningstar. So they had a lot right. of Morningstar products. So yeah. I would I substituted Morningstar products, which really aren't that much healthier because you cook them in oil anyway. So, you know, you get the links and all this stuff. But I, I was trying to make the adjustment. But then I started reading. And so then I decided, okay, I'm going to eat more plants. And I got back into the kitchen and I started doing things like uh, cr getting creative with food. One of my favorite dishes to make was a stuffed onion. I would I would uh, cut an onion in half and core out the middle part and I would stuff it with rice and beans and and a few other things. And I would bake that in the oven um, with a little cinnamon on top and some chili powder because I like those two together. And and to hold it together, I would run a couple of toothpicks through it. And and in those days, I wasn't vegan. So I was using a little bit of honey sometimes to give it a caramelization on top. But that would be my attempt at eating uh, something plant-based. Okay. So I would do dishes like that. Um, still had a lot of rice because I lived in Hawaii and rice is a key component of the diet. Um, so it's spam, but that was not one of my things, but <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, but you know, that, that was what I was doing. And then I decided I wanted to go to, so then I joined a gym and I I almost passed out doing bench pressing of like 130 pounds. So the guy's like, you really need to get in shape, dude, because you're really, really, really out of shape. And I tried the exercise bike and that just wore me out. And I literally quit the gym because I was too tired. I was like, man, this is exhausting. And then, of course, my blood pressure would be probably elevated from what I ate before going to the gym. Because, you know, Jack in the Box was open early and you could order whatever you wanted. And then I'd go to the gym after having eaten and then I'd get like dizzy and then I'd sit down, drink some water and then I would just go home. So eventually I decided to start walking. Uh, <clears throat> I then picked up the game of golf and then I told myself that um, I'm going to. So then I, and I picked up golf and I decided to carry my bag and I decided to walk to attempt to walk nine holes in the morning. And um, I had a tour bag because, I, I, you know, I was a Marine, so you go big or go home. So you, you tend to buy all the clubs, you buy all the stuff. And I was literally trying to carry this bag, walking on a golf course um, 
early in the morning uh, playing sunrise golf because at the municipal course, you could play sunrise golf, which means that if you got there at sunrise, you could play until the course opened. So, you know, and so you have beautiful greens and I've just gotten play. And how I knew I was getting in shape was that was actually one of my measures down the road was that when I first started playing, you could see by the time I got to the, to the green, to, you you could look back and you see this zigzag pattern of a guy who really didn't know how to play golf and he was really not doing well. By time I before I left Hawaii, instead of zigzag, you would see a straight line, literally a stop, a straight line, and I was on the green. So um, um, it was measured. And then eventually uh, I went to work in a bike shop, and um, because I was a college student and I had to figure out how to buy a bike. And the only way to buy a bike is to work in a bike shop because you get everything at a reduced cost. And if you assemble your own bike, then I had no labor cost. So, you know, I could buy a bike. That kept me in shape. Uh, I got back to the U.S. Um, I got called to active duty for Desert Storm. And um, fast forward from that, um, I ended up back in Hawaii. Um, Diet was not as good as it should have been because when you're in the military, what they're feeding you is not plant-based. There might've been plants in it at some stage, but you know, it's just food. Um, you know, and then eventually I left Hawaii, uh, moved back to North Carolina. I ended up in the, in the car business and I ended up with a client and uh, she was the most wonderful person. Her and her husband were the most wonderful people I have ever met in doing sales, that two of the most wonderful people. And I say that not just because she bought a Porsche from me and I got to deliver it to her house and put a bow on it. Her husband had a, had a, had a patio. We pushed that car into the patio, put a bow on it, a couple of dozen red roses. But, and then he had four Emmys, okay? <laughs> Which I, I didn't know how big the Emmy was. It's a big statue. Um, and, um, Eventually, she said to me, she said, why don't you come work for me? She says, I own a television station. I could use somebody like you in ad sales. And eventually, we'd like to see if we can get you behind in front of the camera. Because she's like, I like your personality, yada, yada, yada. So um, I went and worked in television ad sales, but it required a lot of whining and dining. And whining and dining means you're not eating healthy. And I'm in North Carolina. So whining and dining is not you know, a nice healthy salad or some, you know, uh, uh, fettuccine, I mean, some spinach pasta with, you know, with, uh, with some type of tofu. No, it was, it was, you know, you know, Southern fare, it was Southern fare. And um, because you were chasing dollars to get people to advertise on a television station. So uh, you leave TV ad sales, your weight's back, been eating for crap, probably not feeling the best about yourself because you're bathing in sleaze every single day. Um, and I know that at one point, man, your health catches up to you in just a big old way. So let's jump to that now. Uh, okay. So your face that brings like me to Washington, yeah. D.C. That yeah. brings me to Washington, D.C. And so in D.C., I decide, because I guess I'm near the Marine Corps Memorial, I'm going to run the Marine Corps Marathon. I am just going to wake up. I'm overweight. I'm obese. And I am going to run the Marine Corps Marathon. So I go to see my doctor. And he was a nice guy. And he said to me, um, I ran the Marine Corps Marathon. And we need to run a bunch of tests before I would even sanction you training to run the Marine Corps Marathon. So I, I, we had the test scheduled on a Thursday. 
And on Monday, on Monday, I was, because I was now working for a government contractor in D.C., on Monday, oh, and I need to go ahead and give you the update on my new diet. My new diet was I would wake up in the morning and I would have two or three cups of coffee, one or two Dr. Peppers, and a Pepsi, and a bagel, and I'd be at work, and I was at work at 6.30 in the morning. And I would work all day, and then I would go downstairs to the Asian restaurant downstairs, and I would get their General So's chicken, okay? Now, did you think about the calories I just gave you for my morning start, okay? You're off to a, a humming start, man, and then you're but, going to a hardcore lunch. But that caffeine, that caffeine has got me revved up. It's yeah. got me, like, running. Yeah. And so then I go and I have the General So's chicken. Well, General So's chicken makes you sleepy. Because, you know, I mean, cause, you know, and of course, with my General So's, I have a couple of more uh, Pepsis or Dr. Pepper because I didn't like Coke. I was a Pepsi Dr. Pepper guy. OK, so I would have that. And then, and of course, I also love cheer wine back in the old days. But um, we would I, I would do that. But this particular Monday, I got done eating and I started getting a tingling feeling in the little my little finger on my left hand. It was just an, it was just an odd little tingle. And uh, then I, all of a sudden I get these like shooting pains in my left arm and I'm like, I don't feel too good. So I go back to my office and I go back to work. I don't feel good. And, and, and what did I do at my desk? I pulled out another from my little refrigerator by my desk. I pulled out another Pepsi and I have my Pepsi and I'm, and then something says, you need to call your doctor. So I call my doctor and he says, um, I need you to go to George George Washington University Hospital. He says I'm 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 I'm, I'm licensed there. Uh, you know whatever it is. He had his um, his privileges there. So he said, why don't you go there because that's the closest place to your office. Because I was in downtown. I was in Roslyn. So so okay. when people say Arlington, I was actually in the Roslyn portion of Arlington. And um, so I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So I work another two hours. Then I walk around and I tell a couple of people in my office that I knew that hey, I can't hang out with you guys tonight. Uh, my doctor wants me to go over here and get checked out. So I'm going to just go and get checked out, but I should be back in the morning. So I go downstairs and now my symptoms are getting worse. I call a taxi. Okay. Think about this. Now, I call a taxi. Why? Because I'm impervious. I'm not ready to die yet. So I'm impervious. So I call a taxi. Taxi comes, takes me to the ER. They get me in the ER and I'm sitting there. And somebody actually finally reads why I'm there. And all of a sudden they hit a button or something and they come out with a gurney. They throw me on it and they're like ripping open my shirt and they're like wiring me for sound. And the next thing I know, they're slathering uh, nitroglycerin paste on my chest. And they're like, um, uh, you're almost gonna, you're about to have a heart attack. You're about to have a heart attack. And they're like, you haven't had one, but you're getting close. And so I'm in, I'm in the ER. And uh, I'm now in observation and doctors and nurses are constantly coming in. They're checking my vitals, checking my signs. Everything seems to have settled down. Um, again, they gave me a pill, you know, those pills, mask, everything. Um, my, my heart calms down. I don't have a heart attack, but they now need to get me checked out. So now they're going to admit me. So they admit me into the hospital. Now, remember, this is Monday. You are now into Tuesday morning. What is sitting in the cath lab already ordered for me 
it is a nuclear stress test. But that's for Thursday. It's Tuesday. I show up and they're like, oh, we want to run some lab tests on you to see what's going on with your heart, you know, to see what needs to be done. On Tuesday afternoon, now I was fortunate in my room. My roommate was a guy, was a former Marine who survived the Chosen Reservoir. And so I got to meet him and it was an honor and it was and, and, and it was it was an eye-opening experience. So then they rolled me down to the lab, the cardiac lab, and they hooked me up for the nuclear stress test because that was what was already scheduled, not what the ER doctor wanted me to do. Midway through my nuclear stress test, somebody wakes up and realizes I'm taking the wrong test. Now they have to rush me back to my room and give me a bunch of things to, to make sure that I'm okay because it could have induced a heart attack because it wasn't there. That led to um, getting, uh, eventually I ended up having to get a stent put in. And the doctor that did it said, look, if you don't want to do this again or ever want to see me, here's Dr. Dean Ornish's book. You need to go buy this book and read it. And I tried, I bought the book, bought a used copy. It was so dense. I just could not read it and get through it because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready mentally and emotionally to do it. Um, but fast forward, um, I do lose some weight. I do exercise a little. And then I, um, uh, I had to go with my wife for a checkup at a doctor's office over in um, somewhere else in Virginia. And we, afterwards, my wife was like, what are we gonna do for lunch? And I said, I don't know, let me see. I, I discovered the Happy Cow app. So I looked up vegan restaurants and Green Fair popped up. And I'd never heard of Green Fair, but I knew where it was supposed to be, but I'm like, I don't, I don't remember ever seeing it there. Of course, I never went there for Green Fair. There was all the other unhealthy places there to eat at. So <laughs> uh, I go in and I meet Gwen and I meet Pericles and they're like fantastic people. And they had Dr. Barnard's information on the table. They had it all these places. And my wife says, oh, I know him. She says, when I was doing my, my MPH, I would follow him when I was at, when she was at Columbia University. So she was like, you know, he's really good. You should, you know, look into him and see if, if the insurance will take him, you know, we'll pay for, you know, he'll take our insurance. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. And so I decided to do that. But before I could get in to see him, I was still seeing a cardiologist that was not plant-based. And that cardiologist, one day I wasn't feeling well, he took me in and they were going to run a probe to see if they needed to do another stent or do something else. And apparently I had blockage in the Widowmaker. And the when they tried to run the, the probe through one of the valves, the other one would collapse. So they would back out and then they would go to the other and then it would, the other one would collapse. So they were like, and now you, you have to understand, and this is my, this is my, this is my wake up moment. This is as the Southern Baptists would say, this was your come to Jesus moment. Okay. Cause you're laying on a table. Okay. And there's this like 72 inch flat screen monitor above you. And you see this and you are awake. You are awake, you're under a local. So you are awake and you are seeing this probe go through your body and you're seeing what they're seeing. And the nurses and doctors are talking and you hear them say things like, we can't stint him because it'll kill him. Literally, this is what they're saying to each other. And, mm. and I'm awake doing this, I'm hearing all of this. And then 
that finally they say, okay, let's back out. We're not going to do open heart surgery. When I mean, literally, they're talking open heart surgery. They're talking all of this stuff. And they, they take me out and they get me back to my room. And he says, you're going to die. And he says, and I don't mean a long time from now. You're going to die and you're going to die soon. And he was like, because you've got blockage and you need to change. And so he says, all I can do is put you on a bunch of beta blockers and I can put you on. I want you to start carrying nitroglycerin with you. And, you know, and I want you to take all of these meds. And this is going to be your life until such time we think you should have your chest opened up and then we can go in and fix it that way. That was his conversation with me. And the first thing I told him when I met him years prior was that, I didn't want open heart surgery and I didn't want another, I did not want another stent. I wanted to figure out a way to get better. At no point in time did he mention whole food plant-based. Fast forward, I now go to see Dr. Loomis. And he's like, you really need to just clean up your, you're eating plant-based. And I was eating plant-based, but I wasn't eating healthy. I was still doing the, I was, I was going over to founding farmers and eating the impossible burgers and all this stuff. So I was, I was, trying to eat plant-based, but I had, I was still heavy on the salt, salt, sugar, and oil. And, um, but under tutelage of PCRM, um, and finding a home where people actually actively encourage you to get healthy, um, I really buckled down and, and got on it. And then Dr. Loomis sent me to a plant-based cardiologist in New York. And his first words out of his mouth when I walked into his office was, you're obese. And you need to stop whatever it is that you're doing. And here's what I want you to do going forward. And that was Dr. Osfeld. And Dr. Osfeld, I think he's the greatest um, because he was no nonsense. Um, and between him and Dr. Loomis and then Susan Levin, um, I really hunkered down and eventually reached a point where I ended up off my meds, off my off my metformin and that sort of thing. So, and and that's, it's, it's, it's condensed as I could make the story. Yeah. I mean, just a, just a heck of a turnaround. So you get turned on to the whole food plant-based um, you get this whole wake up call. And I mean, did that make it easier for you to transition? Like, did your will to live just basically take over? And then all of those cravings that you had had just kind of became more manageable or did they fade away because you were so hyper-focused on surviving? Actually, the truth is, it was my wife. Hmm. My wife's 11 years younger than I am. And the fear that I saw in her eyes when she was sitting in the room and the doctor started talking, I was like, I cannot do this to anyone because I went through this with a grandparent and, and I, know, I know how devastating that can be emotionally for someone. So I was like, um, I was like, I, I do not want to do that to her. Yes, I'm going to die. We all are. We're, we're not going to live forever. But I don't want her to have to spend her life changing my diapers, helping me walk because I've lost limbs, feeding me or me. And, and, and it was weird things. It wasn't so much death that, that, that freaked me out. It was having a stroke. Having a stroke and not being fully mobile to me was probably more frightening than the actual demise that you would come to. Right. Um, 
and maybe that's because I was a Marine. Maybe it's just my upbringing. But yeah, the, the coming to the end has never been my fear. I have fears of things of being paralyzed, immobile, um, a, a burden. I, see, that for me is a fear. That is a fear I never want to put on anyone. Mm-hmm. Just it's just, and so for me, so to answer your question, I was all in, but I was all in because I didn't want her or any of my family to have to do that for me. And that's a powerful reason too, man. I mean, they say love conquers all, and in this case, it really kind of conquered your health demons. <laughs> it yeah, seems. it it. You don't understand, my friend. It was like it was like there's no way. And then, yeah. of course, but then you have the other effect. Then you go from being the guy who is, you know, proselytizing about Jack in a Box being the Holy Grail, to being <laughs> the guy who is, let me heal you, sinner. Because I'm going to teach you how <laughs> to not bad yeah, food. Come to me, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to deep, 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 deep inside and get you to be healthy. Because follow me, because I know the way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I, I got you. Preach on, Rev. I got you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so you, you, you literally go the other way. And finally, I found <laughs> the middle path. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, there's always the middle is is where it always seems to happen. It being pretty much everything. The middle seems to be the the best way. You know, we yes. go from one end of the pendulum to the other, and then boom, this is where we need to be. Um, but dag on, man. So let's talk about uh, some of the things that you'd like to eat now. I'm sure that everybody who's listening is like, okay, well, we know that he loved Jack in the Box. We know that he loved General Sos. We know that he loved Pepsi. But what are the things that Dennis Jones loves to eat now? Okay, we'll start with the drink. My favorite drink is hibiscus tea, but not just hibiscus in a bag. I like to get the hibiscus flour, put it in either boiling water or just water and let it let it soak overnight and just drink it. Nothing added. That's my favorite drink. So if you want to know, I don't do, I don't do I don't do fizzy water of any type. None. Mm. Nada. Won't touch it. Um, so it's hibiscus tea. And then I'll do um, uh, nettle tea and I'll also do ginger turmeric tea. So those are my drinks. So that that solved my drinking issue. Um, my food issue, I still say to this day, my favorite dish to make, and people may not think on the surface that it's healthy, is my vegan pancakes. That is my favorite dish to make because um, I eat them any time of the day. And... Um, there's no oil, there's no sugar, there's no refined sugar in it. There's, it's just my vegan pancakes. And then after that, um, I like doing things like, um, uh, I still like to do a lot of creative dishes uh, where I'll do things like, um, uh, I, I learned how to veganize a fried kale or collard green recipe, a Brazilian kale recipe. And I do that. Um, and the secret is, is you want to wash your greens first, dry them, but not completely get your pot pan really, really, really hot where you just have beads of water, throw the, the greens in while it's really hot and just stir them around, stir fry them quickly, then throw your onions and then throw your chilies and then throw all your other garlic and all of that other stuff in it. And I like to serve that over a bed of quinoa, um, 
and with some black beans. And that sounds pretty daggone good, man. <laughs> dude, you, you, one of these, if you ever get a chance, check out my Instagram page. You'll see some of the photos of some of the stuff that I've made. Um, and my wife loves it. And my, uh, every, actually, everybody that knows me loves it. When I've had a bad day, they can tell because, um, or what's my phrase? It's not a bad day. All days are good days. Some days are just better than others. When my day has not been as good as others, you will know because if you walk into my house, there will be probably three very complex dishes made that will be plated and look as pretty as all get out um, because um, presentations, everything. So on, just so you know, before looking at going to law school in Oklahoma, um, I actually toyed with culinary school. So food right. has always been a passion. Right. Um, so um, for me, it's all about, you know, you, you eat first with your nose then with your eyes and then with your mouth. Do you think that you went so hardcore in the kitchen on those days that aren't as good as others um, as a way to kind of get your frustration out or like on a deeper level, was that your way of I'm doing this because this is appetizing and this is going to keep me away from the drive through when you would just throw up your hands and because you've had such a day at that point? You know, that's an interesting way of saying it. I was thinking of it more of, of I need to get in the kitchen to be creative so I can work through whatever demons I'm dealing with that day. But the other thing is, is uh, as Barney Fife would say, it's, it's cathetic or whatever he used to say on the Andrew <laughs> Griffith show. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's like meditation for me. When I get into the kitchen and I start to cook and I start to put together my recipes and I cook a lot by smell. So it's like, and I, I'm looking for my colors and I'm looking for, literally i'm i'm looking to create something and and I, you know i i used to shoot film photography and i used to paint and so there is a creative side to me when i'm not being insane um and 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 that for but it's also that too it keeps me from getting in my car and driving to a vegan fast food restaurant to get something to eat i mean literally it does it encapsulates all of those things by me spending time in the kitchen working at it. My final question to you is this. If you were to go to the doctor today and say, hey, doc, I'm thinking about running the Marine Corps Marathon, what reaction do you think he would have compared to the one that he had a few years back? Um, he would probably say, that's good. <laughs> and let's, but he said, but he would want to put me on a routine that he would think was manageable because he knows that I tend to go from zero to a hero. <laughs> you know, that whole pendulum swing thing. So he's he would probably try to rein in my enthusiasm so that I don't overdo the training and then can't get to it. Uh, she's just trying to protect you from yourself, I suppose. But... Being, oh, uh, let me just give an example. My yeah. doctor was amazed that um, I got into biking again and I decided to ride a metric century on a single speed bike. Okay. Okay. Metric century. Okay. Metric I got century. you. Okay. Yeah. That's 70, say roughly 70 miles. If you make a wrong turn and mine ended up being 78 miles, but, uh, <laughs> and, and you're riding West of, so you're riding from Reston West out to Percival. So now you're hitting hills, you're on roads. And I did all of this on a single speed bike and people were like, are you crazy? And I'm like, it's the only way for me to work out my demons because there is some fall on effect, I think of being a Marine is that you do have a very, um, I have to challenge myself 
I don't need others to challenge me. I have to challenge myself and I have to create something that people tell me can't be done just so I can prove them wrong and do it. Mm. Well, I'll tell you this much. If you're pedaling from Reston to Percival on a single speed bike, you're working out a lot more than just demons, man. You're working out every muscle in your body. And these are facts. These yes. are oh, absolute facts. Yes, they so, are, my friend. They are. And, you yeah. know, but, you know, it's and, and it's fun. It's it's um, right now. My new goal is to bike from Leesburg, where I live, to um, to the Barnard Clinic one day in the spring or summer when the weather's nice. And I now do it on a folding bike. So I have a Brompton and that little Brompton, I, my goal is to bike on a Brompton 34.5 miles, because I've already mapped it from my house, <laughs> to the office one way and then ride back. Just do it, man. Let me know what day you're coming uh, and uh, and I'll swing by and uh, maybe we'll grab lunch or something. That would be great. I'd appreciate it. And, and I'm glad that you're doing well. And um like I said, I'm, you know, I, I always tell my clients I'm, I'm, oh, I do have an upcoming class in May, in March, I believe. Yeah. Let's talk about what it is that you're doing at course correction. I can't let you out here because you're doing what I love to call paying it forward. You're taking your own transformation and you want to help other people now. So you've begun teaching classes It's the food for life instructor. You've got course correction. And so now you've got classes coming up in March, you said, or May? March. So, March. Okay. okay. So I have, a, so course correction, it was a name that I picked because somebody said, what do you want to call your company? And I was like, well, I'm always trying to course correct. So I'll call it course correction. Literally, that's how I came. There was no, there was no real thought that went into the name process. Um, in March, I have my second of, my second part of a, of a multi-series, a multi-part series on fighting diabetes with food. That starts in March. Next week, or actually this week, I'm in a conference call with a doctor in, in Alberta, Canada, who wants me to consider doing a Food for Life program for the First Nation people near where she lives. Mm. Okay. Um, and, and I know that there are Food for Life instructors up there, but she has known me off and on for a while. And she's like, I, she says, you bring something to the table that she does, I, I bring something to the table that she doesn't bring. And she said, um, and I like your personality and I think you're relatable. So um, that is what's there. And then also too, I just completed the CDC's program to be a diabetes lifestyle coach. So I'm working with people who are pre-diabetic or who just been diagnosed as being pre-diabetes, uh, pre being pre-diabetic to help them on the national program to prevent them from getting to becoming full-blown diabetes, uh, having diabetes. And then, uh, of course, I work with anybody who is diabetic, uh, corporations, uh, working with their their groups of people and wellness. So I'm, I'm doing a bunch of things tied to wellness, uh, working with some companies, putting up some proposals together. And everything I do does incorporate food for life. Um, and then, of course, all the other materials that I have at my uh, disposal. So hopefully that answers your question. Oh, yeah, uh, But I've got some time. I'm, I'm free most of the day. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's like five minutes left in the day. Would you like those? <laughs> yeah, we'll link off to uh, to your website. We'll have all of your contact in the show description or in the episode notes. And my final question to you yes. uh, is this. I mean, as a black man and knowing the health inequities that we're facing, uh, not just in the U.S., but I mean, this is a global epidemic here of health inequity. You Do you realize what a leader you have the potential to be you already are? 
in in helping others dig out of this hole that they think that they're just kind of trapped in right now? That, my friend, is why I didn't I, I didn't want to say that, but that was actually what the doctor in Canada said. She said, she says, I'm a white woman. She says, I may be a lesbian, but I'm still a white woman. <laughs> you know, I go into a First Nation uh, facility, a program, and they're just going to see yet again another white Canadian trying to tell the First Nation how to live. She says, you, my friend, can come in and they may relate to you far better than they will ever relate to me. And on that other front, I actually do uh, try to work and um, I've experimented with and I've shown that you can live on $50 a week for two people eating whole food plant-based and actually having food left over. So I'm a big proponent of working with any community, any group out there that wants someone to come in and, and either give a talk, because I am a speaker, so I'll come in and, and talk about it, but I'll also come in and lead classes. Um, I use Veg Fund. If they don't have money, I try to get some support from Veg Fund. I try to look for donors. Uh, I tell people, I mean, I have a day job, but you know, um, which is health insurance, which is why I'm so motivated to get people off of needing to use their health insurance. Um, anything I can do to help people, as long as we can find the money for it or find a way to cover my costs, um, I'm there to help. You, you are just, you are a good human being, Dennis, and it has been a real treat to have you on the program today. Again, we've got links off to your website, all of your contact information in the uh, show description or in the episode notes, my friend. Thank you so very much for your time and congratulations on your health turnaround. Thank you, my friend. And it's always good to see you, Chuck. And when I do bike into DC, uh, I will let you know. You got a date, my man. All right, my friend. Take care. Dennis Jones, what a great success story. 180 pounds he lost. That is incredible. Love those success stories. But right now, I want to circle back to our first story. Talking to Cheryl and being fabulous and healthy over the age of 50. Matter of fact, I want to go a few years later in life than that even. Because there is new research now showing that not spending your golden years sitting in a recliner and watching TV is the way to go. Getting up and moving can make a huge difference in your health. And I'm not even talking about major exercise here, not in the least. So let's head to the exam room news desk for those details. The benefits of exercise are no secret. But what may have been kept under wraps until now is that exercise for seniors doesn't mean going to the gym. It doesn't mean going for a jog or even taking a walk. A new study finds just being active around the house can make an enormous difference in their health. And this includes day-to-day -day chores like cleaning, cooking, gardening, and even just taking a shower. The research examines nearly 5,500 women between the ages of 63 and 97 who did not have cardiovascular disease when the study began. Those who spent at least four hours a day doing those daily chores had a 43% lower risk of developing it along with an equally lower risk for coronary heart disease and a 30% lower risk of stroke. But the study shows the biggest benefit of all is just staying alive. The study finds that four hours of being up and about led to a 62% lower risk of dying from cardiovascular disease. 
The study is published in the Journal of the American Heart Association. And you can find a link to the study right now in the episode notes. You know, the study's authors hope that this will encourage more seniors to become active. And I think back to even when I was younger and rethinking what being active meant, that really helped me to get moving. Because like so many people, I used to think that exercise meant going for a run or going to the gym, dragging myself to the gym, when in fact, it was as simple as just taking a walk for me or even taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Little things that you really don't even have to put much effort into. It is those little things that can make a big difference. And certainly the study is evidence of that. And then when you couple these findings with other recent research showing how much longer a person can live when they eat a healthy plant-based diet, and this includes not even starting to eat that way until a person is in their 80s, well, I think that then you will be in pretty good shape no matter where you are in life. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you once again to Cheryl Marshall and Dennis Jones for being here and inspiring us. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always... Keep it plant-based.